Perhaps you will consider this. The first few weeks on a new ship. Among the weathered faces of strangers, grueling labor and then the long wait. In hopes that we might see a spout. The turn of a fluke among the swells. Here begins the seaman's log of Thomas Unthank, son of William and Amelia Unthank, of Narragansett. The date is May 14th, 1864. The three weeks on this, my third voyage in a whaler, have already been more strenuous than previous excursions. We've suffered very little in the way of weather, but the work has nonetheless been relentless. All seamen are anxious when setting out on a new ship to learn how the captain and mate will treat the crew. Some require all hands to be busy with some task at all times, regardless of urgency, in order to maintain control. Others are more at ease to allow the men free time when no task is pressing. Captain Eberhard Peterson is a quiet man with a fair temperament. Rarely does he raise his voice, but rather relies on the first mate, Mr. Greaves, to get the crew's attention with his barking, abrasive manner. The captain will then disappear abaft as his orders are carried out seemingly having no taste himself for such aggressive tone. For the most part, Grease remains quiet and almost reasonable throughout the morning, but as the sun gets lower in the sky and one or more flask is depleted, he can get very coarse indeed. Often on these occasions, he will require certain men to repeat a task out of sheer spite. The decks have been so well scrubbed and the brass stanchions so overpolished as to cause a sailor concern that they may be worn down. He walks with a cane due to some injury and has been known to use it as an instrument of discipline. He barely conceals his fiendish joy at flogging anyone who he perceives as combative, and it was to my great consternation that two weeks into our voyage, Mr. Greaves turned his ire toward me. Swing those damn boats to the davits! Mr. Runthank, will you take all day to fit those thole pins, man? Mr. Greaves, I fitted them just an hour ago, sir. Did I not just give you an order? Are you a deaf sailor? Right away, sir. I knew well that a crew can ally against a first mate if pushed too hard and force him to back off. But as yet, I made no such friends amongst the crew. Not until this very day, that is. Was there something else you wanted to say, Greenhand? Mr. Greaves, I am no Greenhand, sir. I do the job in the manner in which it was taught to me by my father. He was- So, your father was a green hand as well, then. He was not, sir. I am from a proud Quaker family, and was taught to exercise restraint when attacked with words alone. Ha! Quakers, abolitionists, and criminals. I'd have the lot of you in irons. Well, you're in my jail now, sailor. I am not afraid of lashes from the likes of you, Mr. Greaves, as I will return them in kind. Now, friend, God sent him on. Quiet down now and greet the morning without pain. You'll step back if you know what's good for you. No, mister. I am the one that did the bad job polishing. It's a fact, mister. 
Only a fool takes the blame for a Quaker. And such a fool will fill my lash. Ah! Crewman, why would you invent a story to bring punishment on yourself? It matters not who receives the flogging, only that the debt is paid. And remembered. Mr. Greaves, sir! The sails are slack! All of a sudden, sir! No wind! Loose the top gallant! We'll not be becalmed today. We'll finish the lashes later. Back to work! Friend, I know not why you acted so, but I am truly sorry for your pains. A day will come when I require an honest man to stand by me. Umet Kuesa. Welcome, listeners, to the first edition of Eben Paranormal. I'm Amanda Walston. Some of you might know me from The Jerry Rivers Show, and some might have seen me in films or television. Along with my co-producer, Walter Stedding, I intend to bring you news of our further investigations into the unexplained phenomena of New Hampshire. Today, we're coming to you direct from Deadwater Lake, just outside the town of Eben, We've logged details on a number of mysterious events centering around this relatively small body of water in the middle of the state. Strange sounds, atmospheric effects, something the locals call lake sickness, glowing red lights below the surface, and most consistently, an unexplainable dead calm in the center of the lake. This new program will bring you on-site reporting on these and other stories. I'm here at the lake with Connor Darcy, a geologist with valuable experience in paranormal research. Connor, what is the goal of your visit to the lake today? Well, Amanda, I've rented scuba gear and I'm going to check out the area where the red glowing has been sighted. It's, uh, it's not helping that we're headed directly into the wind. We're just... we're just about there. If you can position the bow with that tree, we should hit upon it and... Uh... Wow. I'm guessing this is where the lake gets its name. I don't see the glow today. We may have to give this a little time. I'll prepare my gear in the meantime. about 30 minutes with no sign of glowing. Connor submerged to have a closer look about five minutes ago. He's got plenty of air, more than he'll need. There's the sound. 
That is the sound I've heard twice before now. Oh, that's his safety line. His instructions were not to pull him in unless he stayed down longer than ten minutes. I think I see him. He's coming up. I couldn't stay down there. The sound. I was about to lose consciousness. It's the rocks, all right. There. It's beginning to glow. It's a deep red, pulsating glow. It looks like it's about... 60 feet down or so? From a quick look, these appear to be the same type of rocks as I studied in Mudscog in Connecticut. This is not good. This is uh, Walter Stedding. I'm outside Granley Junior High School. I thought it would be wise to record this, just in case I need it later. I followed Edward Giddens here uh, from his home by the lake. He just got out of his car with a knapsack and is walking toward the back of the school building. It looks like he's headed into the woods. There's a wooded area directly behind the school. He's moved off the path and is standing still just out of sight. The bastard's really gonna do it. Kids are cutting through the woods. They've turned off the side path. He ducked behind a tree. Ah, looks like he's shaking. Another kid's coming along the path. Hey guys, wait up! Ah, Giddens sees him. He pulled something out of his knapsack. A, a rope. All right, I'm moving in. I, I lost sight of him. Damn it. Where did he go? Okay, he's behind the school now. He's opening a dumpster. Looks like he's sobbing. Huh. He threw out the rope. Heading back to his car. Looks like he's had a change of art. A wise choice, old timer.
Thanks for listening to Season 2, Episode 2 of Under Dead Water. Our cast this week was Aaron Lillis, David Steele, Ty Anderson, Emmanuel Elpenord, Amanda Goodman, Mike Hall, and Clayton Romero. Music is by Glomag. Sound design is by Clayton Romero and Chris Burke. We'd like to take this moment to ask that you please consider supporting the show on Patreon. For as little as $1 per episode, you'll be eligible for some cool rewards. Go to patreon.com slash mandiblejudy for details and help us keep the story going. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and the show is available on iTunes and all major streaming platforms. See you in two weeks.